You are listening to a sermon from Emmaus Church LCMS. For more information, please go to www.emmauspasco.org. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Who here has been in a parade? A couple of you. Okay, good. I haven't been in many parades. I only really remember being in one parade while I was in college, a little small town Christmas parade. Now, this will come as a surprise to you, but when I was in college, I had lots of opinions. And one of those opinions was that parades were kind of dumb. I thought the whole idea of let's gather a bunch of people and some people will walk between the other people and will wave at each other just didn't sound like a very purposeful activity. So one of the results of this opinion was that that waving, the people who stood there waving on the floats, I just wasn't, I wasn't going to do it. No waving. And I don't remember a lot from that thing. And maybe, maybe I waved at a few of the kids as we drove through town, because I'm not a total monster. But otherwise, I just stood there with my hands in my pockets, looking like a fool, who accidentally wound up on a parade float and didn't know what to do. Because the truth is, is that waving is a purposeful activity. A parade is a whole bunch of people getting together, and everyone's got a job to do, and waving is a good part of these, job, of these jobs. Waving is a sign of welcome and sharing together. It invites people to join in the celebration and mirth. Right? Imagine if a float came by and everyone was like, involved in an argument about something instead of waving at the crowd. Right? It wouldn't make any sense. Everyone's got a job to do at a parade. There are the people who drive the float. There are the people who hold the giant balloons. There are people who conduct the band. There are people who play the music, flag bearers, the dancers. There are people who throw candy to children. There are clowns to keep everyone nervous. There's, there's plenty of jobs to do at a parade. Now, last week, I asked you to imagine the resurrection parade. Christ at the head of the resurrection parade, giving us dancing shoes to join the party. I invited you to see the eyes of, through the revelation of St. John, that the future has already begun when Christ walked out of the tomb. He has started a parade that is gathering people, we hear this week, from every tribe and race and language and tongue. Now, to look back to last week, what we talked about was how this parade is organized by the triune God, the almighty Father who created all things, the Son who faithfully bore witness and by his blood redeemed a people, and the Holy Spirit who is sent out to go redeem and enlighten the nations. We also saw how John, the author of this letter, wants you to know that by hearing and reading his letter, you share with him. Jesus, nothing less than Jesus. And because you share Jesus, you share a bunch of stuff that comes with Jesus. You share the common sufferings in Jesus. You share a kingdom and you share his patient endurance. But John also wanted you to know that when you envision this parade, Jesus is not up on like the fourth story watching the whole thing. He is marching at its head, leading it. He's leading us. And so we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus as he leads us forward from his empty tomb. So today, this week, I want to ask you, if everyone in a parade has a job, what's our job? What's your job in this resurrection parade? And the answer to this question, actually, we met already last week and we see it again this week. And the answer is this, priests to God, royal priests. Last week, Revelation 1.5 said this about Jesus, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us a kingdom 
priests to his God and Father. John calls himself our partner in the kingdom. And this week in Revelation 5.10, it celebrates the lamb who was worthy to open the scroll by saying, this is what he did. For you were slain and by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So what do we do in this parade? We reign as royal priests, as members of a different kingdom, a kingdom that is defined by its role as a priest. Now, now what's a priest? We don't have a lot of priests running around, but the idea is, is more or less basic to understand. A priest is a kind of mediator between the sacred and the profane, or between God and people, right? And a, a priest stands before God on behalf of the people with their sacrifice, with their offerings, with their prayers, and presents them to God. But a priest also stands before the people on behalf of God, speaking his word, speaking his law, and pronouncing his blessing. So the role of a priest is to stand between God and people. And this image in the Bible actually goes all the way back to the beginning. You can see it, well, kind of as I said last week, John always assumes that you're masters of your Old Testament. He knows that you know, since you know Exodus really well, that the whole reason God redeemed Israel out of Egypt was so that they might be a kingdom of priests. Right? So if Israel is a kingdom of priests, but they failed, you guys in the end will be what Israel was called to be. You will be completed and renewed Israel. And this is all to say you will be completed and renewed humanity because Adam and Eve are made as a kind of priesthood, that is, image bearers. Adam and Eve, made in the image of God, that is, to reflect God's image of royal reign to the creation by naming stuff, farming, making families, communities and then presenting it back to God in obedient prayer and praise. The, the primal human role is as a priesthood. Now, we know, though, that humanity chose not to rule under God. We chose to rule as autocrats. We want to be the ones in charge. We don't want to be priests. We don't want to be middle management. We want to be the ones in charge. And so Adam and Eve rebelled. Israel rebelled. And humanity fundamentally failed at its calling and its creative purpose. Until Jesus until there was a man worthy to open the scroll who actually did faithfully gather up all humanity in his perfect obedience and offer it to God as a sacrifice. And he now, having offered that sacrifice by his blood and having been raised from the dead, now presents to God a perfect and faithful humanity. And as the one who presents to God, he also presents to us a God who is gracious and our friend and not our accuser, an enemy. So in Jesus Christ, this role of priest has been fulfilled. And this is tremendous news because it means we actually can believe that the God that we worship is not angry at us because we have been presented rightly before him. But it means more than that. That's what we say when we mean forgiveness, that Jesus has given us forgiveness by his blood. But John wants us to know he's done more than just forgive us. He's done more than just present us to God. He's actually renewed us to the purpose God made us for, to live as priests. So John says it more than four times in Revelation that we are made a royal priesthood. We already heard Revelation 1. We saw Revelation 5. In chapter 20, he says, Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. And they will be priests of God and of Christ. And they will reign with him for a thousand years. Priests who reign. Revelation 22 
the very end of all things. They will need no light of lamp or of sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. So when Revelation says in chapter 5, they will reign on earth, that's a snapshot of what you will be doing forever. You will be reigning, using the God-given power and abilities that God, that God gave you to reflect his love and authority and power and goodness to creation. And to offer up creation and gather up what you have done and present it to God as a faithful offering through Jesus, our great high priest. Now, we will reign. They will reign on the earth. Chapter 5. There's a fun little nerdy textual issue here that I cannot pass by without saying. Before there was printed Bibles, they copied Bibles by hand, right? And in these handwritten copies, not all the letters got written exactly the same way. Sometimes scribes would change a letter accidentally. Sometimes they do it on purpose. There's this whole field called textual criticism that looks at all these handwritten manuscripts and says, which one's legit? Which one's the most authoritative? Which one's the right one? And there's an issue here. When it says they will reign, some of the manuscripts say they will reign future tense. But some of the manuscripts say they are reigning, present tense, now. Now, in most of these cases of, of textual uh, issues, scholars are pretty clear about which one's the right one, which one was, gave birth. Sometimes scribes get sleepy and they copy a letter accidentally. But here, the scholars are kind of split both ways. It could be they will reign, but it could also be they are reigning now. And one of the reasons is because both of those are true. It is true that you will reign in the renewal and the resurrection, but it is true that by God's spirit, you reign now through his life that he has invited you into. You have already joined the parade that started when he walked out of this tomb. You were already part of a kingdom of priests, and you were already reigning on the earth. Now you reign in one way, through patient endurance, through suffering, through faithful witness. Then you will reign in a different way in a complete, completed and renewed way. But Jesus wants you to know that when he has marched out before you in the resurrection, he has given you not just forgiveness, he has given your life meaning and purpose. He's given you a place in his parade on a little float called Emmaus. And he has reached out from this parade to invite you off the sidelines to join in the parade. And to know that precisely because you're part of it, you have a role to play. You have something to contribute and this is actually a really important thing to remember as we enter into a transition time where you don't have a pastor full-time called. Because there's a mistaken idea, a mistaken idea that has kind of accompanied the Christian church throughout history, and that is that we are not a kingdom of priests, but we're a kingdom and we have some priests, some super awesome guys called pastors, and they do all the work and our job is just to be nearby them so we get the overflow. And this is still a common problem, even in Lutheran Christianity today. You can still find published resources that, that talk about pastors as though they're the only priests. But it's not true. As Lutheran Christians, we don't, have, we don't call the pastor a priest because we believe that the priesthood consists of all the believers. All the believers. And all, therefore, are called to the role of a priest. To proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness. To present to God, through our prayer, our community in Pasco our congregation, and to reflect to the world the goodness of the God who called us and made us. Now, this doesn't mean, of course, that all people are pastors, right? The, the priesthood of all believers is not the pastorhood of all believers. Not everyone gets to drive the float, and it doesn't work very well if everyone's trying to conduct the band. So it's true that pastors play a unique part. It is not true that ministry stops when you don't have a pastor. It is not true that you can't read and study and pray 
and work together as God's people that you can't proclaim his excellencies. And so today, what I want to ask you is as you enter into this difficult and and scary time to remember your calling in this parade, that you have a role to play. You have a purpose. It matters that you're here. Now, some of you, some of you aren't part of this parade. Some of you are watching from the sidelines. You're here, you're listening to me. But you have not joined this parade because maybe you don't think you're worthy. You don't belong because we're super awesome and you just can't fit in. No, no, no. None of us are part of this parade because we're awesome. In fact, quite the opposite. The only people part of this parade have already been dressed in robes that Jesus gave them. They are dressed and made worthy to be a part of it because Jesus died for them. And so when he invites you to join the parade, it's not because of something that you have done or contributed. It's because of what he has done for you. Now, maybe you're not part of this parade, not because you don't think you're worthy, but because you don't think it's a good idea. You think it's, it's just a parade. Okay, what's the big deal? I don't think I want to be part of that. And to that, you, th- here's the thing. You're going to die someday. And, and if, you're, if you're nervous about that, or if you think that's a bad thing, this parade was started by a guy who was once dead and isn't anymore. And so when this guy bids us to follow him, he is bidding us to follow him past death. And the promise of being part of this parade is a future that is not determined by death. And if you want that future, you got to join the parade. Now, some of you are part of it. You're on the Emmaus float and you are working really hard. You are working really hard and some of it's being added to you now that we're in a difficult time of transition. And the thing that you need to hear is that your work matters eternally. It matters. John also says in Revelation, blessed are those who die in the Lord for their deeds follow them. Those acts, those works that you do on this parade, on this float, they matter eternally. And when you're working your way through your day and you're asking, okay, I've got to pay my taxes, I've got to go to the store, I've got to get out of bed, I've got to put on pants, and you're asking, what, 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 what in my life actually matters? What's going to matter at the end? This matters. Your involvement in this community matters forever. With or without a pastor. Because you are members of a kingdom, priest to our God. Now, some of you, you're part of this parade, but you're like Nathan in college. You got your hands in your pocket, and you're looking like a fool who just wound up on a parade and you don't know why you're there. And this is your opportunity to step in and step up and ask, what is God calling me to do for this community? How has he given me gifts to contribute to this float and this parade that we might continue to proclaim his excellencies here in Pasco? What are those other people doing that I could help them with and support them in? How can I be a part of what God has for us next? Because I'm confident that God is going to carry us through this. Your Lord did not die or rise so that you could sit on the sidelines or so that you could sit there with your hands in your pockets. He died because he knows that this parade is better with you on it. This kingdom is fuller and richer with you in it and you contributing to it. So come, join the parade of the risen king. He is giving you dancing shoes for a resurrection party that will last forever. And that forever begins now and here. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. Amen.
He is risen indeed. Alleluia. This has been a message from Emmaus Church LCMS. We thank you for listening and invite you to find out more by visiting our website at www.emmauspasco.org. That's www.emmauspasco.org.